and welcome to Mentality. My name is Zach. My name is Camera. And today we are here with Chloe Estelle to go over the topic of autism. Today we are drinking tea spectral. We're back to tea spectral, everyone. <laughs> today is Nocturnal Notes, which is a chai with blackberry, currant, black tea, cinnamon, ginger. And did I already say blackberry? I don't know if I said well, blackberry. Well, we can say it again. Well, blackberry. There's. We, we want to make sure you know. It says it blackberry. twice on there. <laughs> of this tea. And you can get 10% off by typing mental into, uh, go to teachspectral.com slash mental and you can get 10% off. So yeah, let's just jump right into this. I'm really excited about this because this is not a topic that I know a lot about. Yeah. So I'm going to learn a lot. I think, I think. we're both going to learn a lot. <laughs> Chloe is going to be such a, a wonderful just world of knowledge for us because she has her own company and this book that we can talk about as well. She's on the cover of I'm, There's a lot of things we're going to get into. <laughs> um, but Chloe, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into anything. Well, I'm Chloe Estelle and I have a twin sister and we grew up in Manhattan Beach, California. And I didn't know that I had autism until I was 16 years old. I was actually misdiagnosed with OCD and ADD when I was 13 around that age in middle school because I had a lot of trouble grade-wise starting in sixth grade because I was able to just figure it out on my own through elementary school and it got too difficult in middle school. So we started looking for different things and it became obvious that I, I had a learning disability. And later on, we figured out that OCD and ADD didn't really fit and I got... Was that the first uh, yeah, diagnosis? And it happens... A lot. Girls are actually way more misdiagnosed than guys. They're with all sorts of things from ADD, OCD, anxiety to things like schizophrenia and like really crazy Hmm. diagnoses. Do you have any reason why that might be? Why Why there's such a gap between why women would be more misdiagnosed than men? Yeah, that's an interesting Um, well, for, for a long time, it was really thought that women didn't have autism. And now that we know that they do, we, we know that they tend to mask more, which means they, they, they're they more aware of the social structure of the world and they mimic and mask those around them that they think are really cool or interesting starting at a young age. Because in elementary school, the social dynamic between boys and females are very different where yeah. my, my, my actually... My twin sister was more in the guy's world because she loves sports and that kind of thing. And so when she would want to play a game with the guys and they'd be like, no, you can't. You're a girl. She'd just punch them. And then they'd be like, yeah, go ahead. I'm a part of the guys now. Yeah. (laughs) A punch to become. With the girls, that doesn't work. So no, you, no, it doesn't. Not really. You, then they're I shunned mean. and like, so, and so it was obvious like, oh, there's something with this girl or this guy they're not you know where with me it wasn't so obvious because I was masking those around me and mimicking going oh this is a cool person I want to be like them and in order to fit in I had to pretend to be like that person and so I'd be like oh they're playing this game I'm going to play this game too and so you'd see a lot of girls doing things they weren't necessarily playing with their dolls but they're moving their dolls around like the they're other doing it because girls, they see yeah. and they're doing so like it. they're pretending to do it. Where mm. like the guys would be like, "That's stupid! I'm not doing that," and they'd still be able to have friends. Where the, if the mm-hmm. girls did that, they w- wouldn't. So you see more of that sort of stuff w- with female populations. So it's not as obviously caught 
that early mm-hmm. in life. So so if there's like a if they find that there's a, a learning disorder or something yeah. like that, they they don't automatically go to autism. Yeah. Then they go towards um, maybe it's OCD mm-hmm. or, or something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I do find it interesting that that's how the the upbringing uh, between girls and boys of uh, between girls and boys of the fact that boys are a little bit more just allowed to go and be themselves and no one kind of like tells them no. And so they can kind of just be that independent like force, whereas girls, you know, they, they have those like societal standards of like you have to. You know, you have to fit in this place. It seems like there's that's societal how. standards for well, males. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. There, oh, for sure. There's, I would say, very different yes. standards for males. Because another thing about uh, that's really common for those on the spectrum. Again, not understanding <laughs> social rules. There's gender social rules as well, where guys on the spectrum won't see like those lines of gender and will cross over them, and they'll be told no way more often in those social structures than girls would, where when I was little, I loved things like Power Rangers, and I would play Power Rangers with my friends and my sisters and that kind of thing. (laughs) And I didn't know later in life that a lot of girls wouldn't watch that because it's a guy's thing. I was totally a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers kid. (laughs) Where I I loved that show, and a lot of my guys friends on the spectrum would be like yeah I would want to do princess stuff and like stuff like that and I would be told that's not okay and I didn't know why and when I would question it I get in trouble so they were all oh we can't do that where girls had different social things they they weren't allowed to do. If I was just calling my service yeah, dog, just we, so we you know. A, a I feel like we, dog here. we we didn't introduce probably oh, like, yeah. our, uh, our second guest. Our second guest, Benji. <laughs> oh, <he's so> cute. <laughs> We're just making sure he doesn't knock over to here. <laughs> Hi, Benji. Actually, uh, while we introduced Benji, how long have you had? Who is Benji to you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got him about a year and a half ago. I was moving to New York for school. I live in California. And in order to do that, I really wanted a service dog. And it was something that I talked a lot with with my parents about. And I just put my foot down and I was like, this is something I actually need Mm -hmm. in order to do what I want to do and live independently that far away. And so we started contacting different places and I ended up finding this amazing place called Doggy Do Do Good. And I got I was matched actually with a different dog because I wanted deep pressure therapy. So I wanted a larger dog for that. But she ended up not being ready in time for when I was about to travel. Wow. And I got matched with Benji at that point. And when I met him, our personalities just clicked. It's re- it was really amazing. It was Aww. so magical. He's really sweet. He has an <laughs> Instagram called Service Dog Benji. And Go the follow first, yes, <laughs> the first post I have is actually the first minute we met. And there's this, oh. this video of him just rolling all over me. And it's crazy. Like for a long time, I would ask him every day, like, how did you know that we you were going to be mine? Because the trainers were even in awe. They're like, this doesn't happen. That's like amazing. some of the other dogs, meant to be. They, they would like take shirts or something that had the, the smell of the person they would need to bond with. And they would sleep with that scent so that when they met the person, they sort of recognized them. But they're like, you had no interaction with him before, like none of that. And then you met and the, there was this bond that happened instantly so like he's like my magical support um yeah and so he's done so much for me I thought there would just be times when I would have a sensory overload or meltdown which is similar to an anxiety attack where Mm -hmm. around me 
sounds and smells or depending on which sense gets overwhelmed, I'll need to take a break from that. And deep pressure therapy helps with that. So he'll lay on me. So once I was at Disneyland and that happened, I was trying to run away from the fireworks and I turned this corner and the one of the waterwork shows went off oh and I gosh. got a sensory yeah. overload oh no. like with fireworks in the back and it's just like oh my god this is too much and so I went into like this corner and he laid on me and at that time they had updated the the cast members that worked there on how to interact with service dogs and so one of them came over and was like hey do you need anything I noticed that your dog's laying on you that could be a sign that you're in trouble I'm like no I'm I explained to her I was having sensory overload and I was able to lay there for a good while and I was with a lot of autistic friends that totally got in so we just hung out for a while and it was great having him there where I was able to continue to stay at Disneyland where if I didn't have him I feel like that would have been the end I would have had to go home and it's much nicer than having to carry around a weighted blanket which is like 15 pounds and like that can be a little um, tough to do I don't always want to wear a weighted vest or like something like that so it's really nice having him and then on on top of that he's given me just I don't have to go places alone he's always with me yeah on top of that you have a companion I mean you know it's super nice (laughs) It, it can be lonely having autism and having days yeah. where I can't go out due to sensory issues and all and he's always there to, to have company and so he just he just makes life a little bit better and then he's, really he's been yeah. great making friends because people are like oh can I come pet your dog yeah. and then we're just like it's a conversation starter <laughs> dog which is, a is great conversation super starter. nice because I'm so like how do I start a social interaction he, he's even like he, he's I just I can't stop like his, his curiosity is amazing wait so what was the place that you you got him at it's called doggy do good mm-hmm. yeah and I actually I do a, a live stream about autism on autism Facebook which is the company I I founded mm-hmm. once a week and I did one on service dogs with his trainer oh that's, <laughs> that's great that's amazing. oh before we we continue on I I want to know from your own definition what does autism mean to you? That's a big question. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I think that's a lot no, to unpack. I mean, like, but... <laughs> kind of like in a short brief, kind of, yeah. for people who don't know what autism is, how would you it, kind of explain that? I would say the best way I explain it to someone who, who doesn't understand at all what it is, I would say it is, I use the, the metaphor of like a different software program where like, let's say most of the world is is PC and built for a PC. I feel like I am a Mac program trying to run on a PC because everything Mac was is better built. Anyway. <laughs> well, I'm, you could yeah. say also say it's vice well, versa. Like I'm, it's just versa. an example that I'm a PC program trying to run on a Mac My because like the world was, said Mac was created for someone who the the term is neurotypical for someone who doesn't have a diagnosis of anything, which is pretty rare actually. But for it's built for a neurotypical, so like the school system, the work system, all of that is built for someone who it just has a common way of thinking. And so I I think differently and the the way I process information is different. It's not the typical way. So I need to do do things that aren't necessarily thought of as normal or accepted or I have to work a little bit harder to figure things out that come innately to other people. And so that's how I, how I describe autism. No, that's, that's great. That's yeah. more than I, I knew. So I, I definitely, this is another thing like I want to learn more as well. 
That I mean, also that that's just a very good way of describing it. I think yeah. is you know the the Mac PC way is running it, on a different software. Yeah, yeah. but it, you know it's it's still doing the same thing. It's just a different software. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, a great way to describe it. I kind of wanted to go back because I'm. I'm interested in it is the it was a deep pressure oh, yeah, therapy deep pressure therapy is what she said what if you can describe oh. what that is and then also how it helps and um deep pressure therapy is putting pressure on different parts of the body weight like a weighted blanket i've put like weights like sandbags and stuff on my feet mm-hmm. and it's for those on the spectrum one of my very sensitive senses is touch and so i don't like light touch i don't like i like deep pressure because that feels so much better. And so it, it's just a nice sensation for those of us on the spectrum. And it's calming and it gets rid of anxiety. And so it, it's one of those methods that, that are really helpful to, to some people on the spectrum. Not everyone. We all need different Everyone's things. Different. Yeah. Everyone's different. But it, yeah, it's one of those things that can calm someone on the spectrum and so one of the things he's trained to do is if if you're having a a, is what she said sensory overload yeah Yeah. he's trained to kind of lay on your chest like calmly and yeah yeah that's amazing (laughs) actually it was also kind of amazing that disneyland like their crew members recognize that that's a thing to recognize that's 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 super cool Mm -hmm. good on disney i guess (laughs) can you go into a little bit more what sensory overload is for you yeah so everyone reacts differently to a sensory overload it can be as simple as getting overwhelmed and feeling upset or it can be like physically make someone sick or it can make someone feel pain it's it's a sensation where you are overwhelmed so like it can send you into flight or flight you can get really angry so if you're having a a long day a small thing could set you off or like a big thing like fireworks so and it can be any sensation from taste touch smell spatial awareness like the all the different realms of so and everyone has different senses that bother them so there's the sensory seeking and there's sensory avoidance so for me my sense of sight is more sensory seeking which is why i love color and i need stimulation with that where my sense of touch is more sensory avoidance where i don't like touch and sensations that that really bothers me so i i stay covered up head to toe because that makes me comfortable where where others on the spectrum love touch and they want to touch everything and then they could also be adverse to bright colors as well right yeah there i i actually know someone who's really bothered by it's it's more commonly light than colors but colors also bother and she wears sunglasses all the time indoors and out and so people are like you're rude you're wearing sunglasses inside she's like no i have autism and i a lot of light bothers me and so yeah, so don't assume everyone. <laughs> yeah, don't you, assume. you see someone in sunglasses and everyone has their reasons. Yeah. Also, they look cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually, if you don't mind, I kind of wanted to touch on that because you wear yellow. You're wearing mm-hmm. bright yellow yeah. right now, and you kind of you went into that. Is that you? You like brighter colors, right? Yeah, I've actually started looking into color therapy and I realized I did that without even realizing what what it was and like Uh colors really uh, affect your your life and I didn't realize how much it affected me especially being sensory seeking with my sight and so from I have a I've self-diagnosed myself with chronic fatigue I'm tired so much Mm -hmm. and yellow has a lot of energy to it and people with depression are actually drawn to yellow for that reason it 
brings happiness and energy and lightness. My sister, who has uh, a lot of pain because she has arthritis and Crohn's, her favorite color is black, and black's supposed to be healing for pain, and white's supposed to be healing for sickness. And so she, her favorite color is black, and she surrounds herself with black. And I find it really interesting we're drawn to these colors that are supposed to be helpful. Those with anxiety are more drawn to blue. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yellow gives me actually a little bit of anxiety because yeah. it's such an energetic color. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm more drawn to blues, like the colored. I know podcasters can't see it, but the color of Camera's shirt, I really find calming. And yeah. blacks, I, I mean, I am literally yeah, wearing all black right now. Blacks are, are more of the colors for me that kind of just, I don't know, kind well, of boring. It's, no, it's kind of interesting. I think, I think everyone has colors yeah. that make them feel certain things and can reflect different emotions. And it's really cool to see how that can affect like sensory yeah. as well, especially within autism. And yeah. So I, I found there was this one year where there was a bunch of yellow and yellow was my favorite color. So I bought a bunch of yellow items to wear. And as I was wearing more and more yellow, I realized the days I wore yellow, I felt more confident and happier. And so it's like, why am I wearing any other color? Which is a very <laughs> autistic decision to make because I wasn't thinking about social norms. You don't do that. I mean, so I don't I see why not. I was, <laughs> so I, my whole closet became yellow and I was wearing yellow every day. And people were like, what are you doing? And kept asking me why I did that. And I was like, I didn't think it was like such a big thing, but it, it was. I actually met a couple other people who do the same thing, which is crazy. Uh, like uh, the same color. Like, yeah, that wear a color all the time or a certain, a couple colors all the time. Is it for, it, like, similar reasons? Yeah. There was a viral video that went around of Ella London on Facebook that she wears yellow every day. And I started talking to her, and I met up with her, and she was on one of my live streams, and we talk about, talked a lot about why we got into it, and it was for the similar reasons she yellow was her dad's favorite color and for her wedding she wore it and she realized over time that she had depression and started focusing on these little things and one of the things she focused on was yellow and she's when she would see something yellow it would just brighten up her day and so I did the same thing with yellow I was like yeah just seeing the color yellow made me happy and I like little things that make me happy so if it's just wearing yellow that makes me a little bit happier that's so nice and easy and we're like wow we got into it for the exact same reason that's that's beautiful to kind of relate to that yeah yeah having color impact you that much i've always Mm -hmm. noticed that you mostly get it around halloween but those purple lights that that some people put on their houses the the bright purple they're christmas lights but they put them up for halloween anyway those those ones uh, I, there's like something entrancing, is that a word, that just makes me super calm with those lights. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about those lights, but every time I drive past it, I get distracted because <laughs> it just it just pulls my attention away. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think everyone in their own kind of way, that color affects me in a, a lot of ways. I, yeah, you're always colorful. Well, yeah, I'm so jealous. I, <laughs> well, I, I think I, I choose clothing that reflects either the attire presented or what I'm feeling and what I emotionally am attached to that day and something that's going to reflect how I'm feeling without even noticing actually now I think I'm like I'm wearing blue today I I kind of pick that I'm like oh yeah this is a calming color now I'm thinking like yeah I I wanted to feel calm and confident today the most colorful thing I have is this little (laughs) strip on my boot that's brown well, you're healing that, today. That exactly. is also black. Well, uh, my my shoe is black. My <laughs> slacks are black. My socks are black. My shirt is slightly gray. And then my overshirt is black. So 
I'm just, I'm black today. <laughs> Completely. Very sleek. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my color, I guess. So wait, does your sister have autism as well? Yeah. Yeah, my twin sister has, has autism. She was actually diagnosed a little before me because she had Crohn's and colitis. And so she was like in the hospital a lot and we saw more of that anxiety and sensory stuff affecting her way more than it did me. And so she went to therapy a lot to help her with that. And the ther- one of her therapists was like, hey, you should look into autism. And so when she got diagnosed, she started looking at me and going, hey, you might have it too. <laughs> and so it affects her very differently. And we like to talk about those differences because it is it's a spectrum and everyone yeah. is affected so differently she and i talk a lot about it which has helped me write i write articles about living on the spectrum and i do my live stream and it's it's really helped me to learn the the differences and how everyone on the spectrum is so different but it's they're still affected by by autism would she yeah. be comfortable you sharing some of those differences oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she i call her Spock because <laughs> she thinks she's very logical, but she's actually very emotional. Well, that sounds a little familiar. She, <laughs> it's just me looking in the mirror there. <laughs> she will not talk about something until she knows like everything about the subject. So she comes across like very, very intelligent. And she is. She loves to research. Like the the other day, my my one of my dogs at home was rolling on one of the food that dropped under the table after dinner before he ate it. And my mom was like, oh, I wonder why he does that. And Lillian's like, ah, I looked it up. I know exactly why he does it and explained everything about it. She's like, why did you look that up? She's like, I just saw him do it one day and wanted to know. And so she, when we were little, she didn't understand any social norms. And so people thought she was she was mean. She didn't like lying. And so she thinks white lies are horrible. And so she would come across very blunt. And people told her to treat others the way she wants to be treated. And she's like, I did that. And people got really upset with me. And she's like, they lied to me. That's the, the golden rule. So she came up with the platinum rule or something like that. She's like, you treat others the way they want to be treated. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I like it. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, and well, where for me, like I recognize very early on, everyone is so different. And so I would try to ask them like, oh, do you not like that? Okay. I'll take that into account where she's like, well, I don't care if you don't like that. I'm just going to do it. Cause that's who I am. <laughs> And so she had a hard time making keeping friends really early on in life. And so I ended up telling everyone at my school that she was just stupid and didn't know how to be be nice. And then everyone was just nice to her and became her friend. That seemed to work. Wow. Okay. You know. (laughs) Thought you threw her under the bus, but actually it worked out. (laughs) I was was very protective of her. And having the twin thing was pretty difficult because people associated me with the the thing she did and thought we were the same person because little kids don't understand twins. (laughs) What was it like growing up as twins? Oh, 
<laughs> oh, I have a bad story. There's, I mean, there's a lot of positives. Like, I love, I'm so close to her because I was able to hit every single milestone with her. And that's why we're able to be so close where we don't even have to finish our sentences when we talk. But also dealing with other people was pretty difficult because we had friends who didn't care to learn to learn the differences between us. And even our grandparents would buy us the same presents for Christmas when we were little. And like people didn't understand when we were different people with different interests who liked different things. And so that was very frustrating for me. And I began to have an identity complex for my, my sister, Lillian. She did not at all. <laughs> so I'd be like, I'm going to start this trend and start wearing this thing and she's like well I like that too so I'm gonna wear it I'm like no <laughs> I'm trying to be different <laughs> I'm trying to establish myself here <laughs> um, I would try to join a different activity than her and then she'd see it was fun and she'd want to join it with me and then she's like yeah you should and she'd sign me up for activities with her where she's like yeah I'm gonna do theater and she'd tell my mom that I needed to do it too even though I told her I didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Who's who's technically older? She's 28 minutes older than me. All right. It's interesting. Like she's following all the things you're doing. It, it seems like you have the, the more older complex in a way. <laughs> the yeah, the older sibling. Uh, I don't know if 28 minutes really. <laughs> Um, really makes that difference. I learned somewhere in a relationship that the alpha says I um, in referencing to things that both people do. So it's like I watched this show where the other person would say more likely say we watched this mm. show. So she does more of the we and I do more of the I. And so I went to her one day and was just like, ha, I'm the alpha. Ha, ha. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> just like, <laughs> she's so comfortable. It's like, yeah, yeah she's all good. Because she's I'm so factual. Down. She's like, it yeah. doesn't bother. I already knew that. <laughs> I researched that already. Yeah. I, know that's, I have that's decided. How it is. <laughs> <laughs> Live long and prosper. <laughs> that's amazing. So I wanted to ask about this, this here. Oh. I can't. It's upside the, down the for me. But. Yeah. So this this book is called Asperger's Autism and You. Is the epidemic real? Are vaccines the cause? You're on the cover of this book. Is this book any bit of your story, or is it just you on the cover? Well, it's pretty factual information about what Asperger's is, mm -hmm. the difference between Asperger's and autism, because it's written by a British man. And it's about what the diagnosis process is, a little bit about the history of Asperger's, yeah. what it used to be called and wh what it is in terms of today. And it has a little bit of the the writer's backstory about it and I was able to review the book before it was published and I sent him my notes and I was like you need a longer chapter on the differences between gender and so he oh, he did that and so I was I sent him a bunch of facts about that and I I do have a little bit of a special thanks in the, at the end about myself and Benji That's being awesome. on the cover yeah so I'm very jealous that you're both really getting to cuddle cool. with Benji on yeah. the couch over there, so and I'm sweet. I'm left alone. <laughs> oh, and just for our listeners to know, I didn't mention um the the author is Ian Hale, and he's a PhD. Yes. So. How did he approach you for, yeah. for that? Actually, he didn't. It was an old professor of mine hmm. at the first college I went to. I had this class that was really cool that was a lecture series, and on the first day of class, he was like, hey, what is everyone's interest in? I want you to write an essay about your interests, and then I'm going to pull together speakers that cover everyone's interests for the year. And I wrote to him about having autism and about yellow and 
my love of film. And he sent back an email that told me like he has a brother on the spectrum and he has this nonprofit. And I ended up having to leave school early at like a month before the end of the year. And he contacted me and was like, hey, do you want this internship with my company? And so I like really connected with him. And then he took a year off for some family issues and got back to me after that and was like, hey, so someone from my group wrote a book about autism would you be on the cover of the book (laughs) and so i was like well i want to read it first (laughs) yeah i kind of want to know what my face is on front of um and i was like i love this book i'm so excited and so i worked with this amazing photographer annette who does so many of my photo shoots and we took this about a series of photos sent them to him and he picked this one that's on the the cover of me at the beach with Benji in all my yellow. <laughs> yep. You look great. And it, and then they sent me this book and I can't even believe it's real. <laughs> I'm on the cover of a book. That's so you cool. You really are. Yeah. So y- you mentioned that you you liked the book. Yeah. So yeah. But wonderful. you also gave feedback and helped him. Yeah. Like, construct one of the chapters. I kind of wanted to go into that because of, of the topic of the book is mm-hmm. that's something we haven't touched on yet is Asperger's. Oh, Asperger's yeah. If you can, can you give a, a, I know that's also a definition, but if you can kind of give us a, a rundown of what that is and then also what the differences between the two are. So Asperger's and autism used to be two different diagnoses where, where today it's considered part of the autism spectrum. For Asperger's, it tends to be labeled as more uh, high functioning, less impacted, however you want to word, word that. And it's still used, Asperger's and autism is still two different definitions in Europe, I believe. I think Australia went to the spectrum. So I was actually originally diagnosed with Asperger's. I was that, like one year before it went over. They're like, yeah, we're transferring it over. It's going to say Asperger's, but then next year, everything you have is going to say autism spectrum. So. And those two terms are. Completely so, synonymous? Are they just on the same kind of spectrum? Well, they're or? they're not depending where you live. Oh, they're, yeah. they're so di- it's like the so metric a, system and the imperial yeah. system. <laughs> so it's a diagnosis. So depending on where you live, it, there's a formal diagnosis for Asperger's or autism. Here it's in America, it's autism spectrum disorder, and then there's levels of that. Level one, two, and three. And I'm not as well versed on what those levels are. That's okay. (laughs) Oh, good. Would Asperger's be considered one or three? I'm not sure which one is the... I I believe it's three is Asperger's. So also Asperger's is more thought of as as a circle rather than high functioning to low functioning. So you could be really low functioning in one area and higher functioning in another where like my sister's twin sisters very very high functioning when it comes to learning and book smarts and science and yeah, all that like yeah. but Her lower functioning <laughs> but lower functioning so socially where i'm higher functioning socially but mm. but lower functioning when it comes to learning and so i'm more in like the arts field and she's more in the science and <laughs> those fields so you you were originally diagnosed with Asperger's with, with Asperger's. And, and then a year later is you when they switched autism. it over yeah so I st- I refer to myself as having autism but there there are people who still use the Asperger's label just mm-hmm. because they've had it for 10 years and they're used to it 
So it really, when you talk to like areas of di- where you need the proper diagnosis, that's all that, which is really rare because it's probably just like doctors and stuff where when you're talking to like your friends and family and that there's a lot of different labels that someone could use. So if you're talking to someone on the spectrum, I would ask that person what they what term they would want you to refer to them as because yeah. there's some people who like to shorten it and use Aspie or Audi. Some people like really don't like that there's other people that say i am someone with autism there's someone who say want i am to use i am autistic and there's other people like me who really don't care you can refer to me as any label so i was very very curious of like your your opinion (laughs) on like what i mean what what this what connects for you and then what what you think of the matter of which people identify with and such yeah for me, I, autism is is a part of me, and it'll affect every part of my life. I don't see it as a negative thing. It's just or a positive thing. It's just like it's a part of me. So like yeah. any of those terms are fine. They should all be celebrated. I don't see why you would get offended by the use of one. Well, I guess why I get why other people would, but I'm not offended by any of those terms. Mm-hmm. It's just using language to try to explain who I am and what I'm going through at a time. So it's just easier for me to say Aspie sometimes and Asperger's yeah. another time. Yeah. And whatever feels good for you. Just with language, because that's because there's different sentence structures you need at different times. And for me, I like having an abundance of terms to refer to myself I'm all as. Of these <laughs> yes. <laughs> Choose one. All of these wonderful traits. Yeah. yeah. So that term of Asperger is basically essentially is like going extinct. Then it sounds like at least here in America. Yeah. He's yeah. becoming synonymous with autism. Uh, the autistic or, spectrum, or the spectrum yeah. at least, kind mm-hmm. of on yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So I guess five, ten years down the road, in America at least, that that term probably won't be used. It sounds like maybe. Maybe. I have no idea. There's people who are fighting to have it back because they don't like being lumped in with the more impacted because it's harder to find services because you go somewhere and go, hey, you support autism. Well, we support more of the impacted and like, well, oh, yeah. so like the terminology is can be difficult. And then it's hard really because my my nonprofit works more with the less impacted and it's hard to find a, a label that's not offensive yeah. to put. We only serve level two and three. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it's just societally <laughs> and even medically. It just hasn't consolidated yeah, at exactly. all. So there's some people who really want the term Asperger's back for those kind of reasons. So people still use it in that way to just be like, well, we don't want to want people to come in and waste their time and have us have to turn them away. And it's easier to say some people just want to say I have Asperger's without you assuming or having to ask too many questions about how it affects your life. And it's like, oh, okay, you have more of like the higher functioning or the less impacted. And then those questions can get really offensive when people go, well, what part of the spectrum are you on? How yeah. impacted <laughs> is your life? I you can know? see oh, boy. That, that's it, just prying right there. You know? and, and I've had that a lot. And other people on the spectrum want to know that about me, especially because I do so much. They're like, oh, well, you're not impacted as much because you do so much. I'm like, uh, <laughs> that's not necessarily true. Thanks. So... When I could use like the term Asperger's, maybe you, I wouldn't get that impacted and 
kind of stuff. But maybe I still would. <laughs> so like there's there's a lot of discussion about whether Asperger's should or should not be getting rid of. And there's pros and cons to both. Yeah. And what's your and your nonprofit? It's Autism, yeah. correct? Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? So Autism started because my mom and I kept having coffee with all these people who and families who were going through the diagnosis process and we're like, okay, we have a diagnosis, but what do we do now? And so we started talking about things we went through and saying, oh, don't do this, but do this. And we and so we spent a lot of time doing that and we realized that the more we looked around, there weren't so many experts on the things that I was talking about. And so organically sort of art, artism came from there where I started going, oh, I wish that this program existed for me. And I was like, well, why am I waiting for someone else to make it? Like, there's no one else going to do it. So we started, me and my mom started just creating these programs and and doing coming up with all these ideas of things that that would help people like me go earlier on in life and so we started a support group and we started something called life map and i'm actually a client of all of the programs as well as the creator <laughs> of a lot of them That's and the so i'd go in I, and I, I critique it as well so i go oh this worked this week and this is what i don't like about it we change it so it's which is really great because a lot of the programs that I, I went through growing up with autism didn't listen to my voice it was more about like what my parents wanted or what it was about making me appear more neurotypical and when I would say I don't like this this bothers me it was ignored we're now making a program that's all about the autistic person's voice. So if you come in, we want to reach younger people right now. It's just for adults. We want to start at age 16 in the future. Right now, we're just working with 18 and over. So the adults will come in and we really want to refer to them as adults as well because they get referred to as kids and not knowing what they want and what they're doing and told all the time that you need so much help. So when they come in, we're like, hey, what do you want? And it's like this great thing to see them like suddenly light up and go, you're asking me and you're like, you're serious about it. And they have a voice. Yeah. yeah. And so um, Life Map is about figuring out what your goals are and how to reach them. And so you could have a goal. Like I had a goal one week to just like throw my birthday party. And so my, my, my coach really was like, here's how you do invitations and here's how you do this step and how you get decorations and all that kind of stuff. And then I have huge goals like like going to college or going to work or that kind of thing that's very long term that, that I've worked with my coach with like how to do resumes and then what do you do after that? And then you have a problem with your boss. What do you do now? And so I'm just laughing because it's just like that. I, <laughs> yes. I I remember going through those things too of just I, I <laughs> resumes yeah. and, <laughs> and so yeah. I have somewhere once a week I can go in and like here's all my problems. Can you help me fix them? And it's all about the logistics of that. Like how do I talk to someone and how do I I have a problem? My how do I put a light bulb in? Like all those kind of things. <laughs> That's what Life Map is for: is to help you figure out life. And and we, you don't have to have a diagnosis or autism. We we to to be part of Life Map or our programs, we accept anyone that comes in and needs our help. 
And then I, I started my live stream through autism where I talk yeah. once a week about being on the spectrum. And I have so many different guests and I met so many cool people through that. And then I have my blog. You and are I, a woman. Yeah, yes, you are I amazing. do so many things. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're doing what I want to be doing in, in some other ways more than I am. And that you, I admire you. I'm That's looking inspiring. up to you right now. Yeah. I have a workshop coming up that I'm so excited about. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm working with a man called Danny Rady. I went to one of his retreats when I was 17, and he really taught me about what autism is, and he gave me words and tools about autism that I still use today. Like, he showed me what sensory overload is and all those kind of names and tools that I was able to use and communicate with my parents. Like, this is what I was going through. When I was little and I'd have a sensory overload, I would tell my parents, oh, I'm too tired to go to school because I didn't know the term. (laughs) And they'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You still need to go to school. (laughs) Kind of legal. And so now I can be like, I'm having a sensory overload. And they're like, oh, then you probably shouldn't Mm -hmm. leave the house right now. Maybe you shouldn't go to school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's really exciting. It's come full circle where he and I are hosting a workshop in January, January 13th, where we're going to talk about things that we wish our parents did right. right. And so we're going to talk about our childhood stories of things like that, like saying I'm tired and then hopefully you guys don't have to say that. (laughs) You little children can say sensory overload because we're going to teach that to you. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to have a huge workshop all about those kind of things. Where is that? Yeah, It's going to be in Redondo Beach, actually, where our offices are located. Hopefully tomorrow we have all the information up on our website, artism.com, or on our Facebook. And how do you spell that? O-U-R-T-I-S-M. Artism.com, right? Dot com. Yeah, Yeah, we'll make sure to share the dates and everything once you have it, and we'll get that out there when the episode comes out. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so cool. I think that's really interesting. I actually haven't brought this up. I'm kind of helping, co-helping on a project right now about these rooms. I want to know if you maybe know anything about this. Have you heard of any a term called snoozelin rooms? No, I haven't. So there are these rooms that are, I think it started out in Amsterdam. One, my friend Ryan, who's a documentary filmmaker, has been going to, I think, Amsterdam, Israel, and New York. And I think there's one in San Bernardino where they're trying this new type of sensory therapy for people with, ki- mainly kids right now, kids with autism, to have like really like sensory experiences with lights and different like kind of textures and such. And I'm wondering... If like you have any like feedback or implement on how you think that could be effective. So you're talking about desensitizing someone to sensory input? Or like kind of if that might be helpful for like a sensory overload. I mean, I would say it's exposing someone to more sensory stuff to to be aware what their body's telling mm-hmm. them and how how to react to it. So you can inform someone like, Oh, I, I need to leave this room right now or I need to put on sunglasses or whatever you need to yeah. do, but I wouldn't say exposing someone till they have a meltdown yeah. is a good idea. <laughs> well, I mean, like expose, like so how it could be useful. I don't. If you're talking about like people who who need that exposure, like sensory mm-hmm. seeking, then that's great. I know, like stimming, it is a is a really great thing, and some people need sensory while they they stim. And stimming is a repetitive behavior that's calming, so it could be jumping, mm-hmm. spinning. Yeah flapping your hands that's a common one i I have this thing where i like always twirl my foot 
I had noticed mm-hmm. that that's how I like I wake up every day with my foot just yeah. twirling and I I do it when I'm not asleep or whatever and I'm like why am I doing this but it always seems to be a thing that my body wants to do I've noticed that a cousin of mine is constantly like he needs we give him a loofah and he like kind of constantly just swings it in like a figure eight is that similar to yeah, that that is- would be stimming it's it's not only people on the spectrum that experience it but yeah. those on the, on the spectrum need to do it mm-hmm. with those on the spectrum especially when it comes to emotion we have more of a physical response to emotion than those who are typically neurotypical Mm-hmm. So stimming is a necessity in order to to feel that emotion and to let it pass through. Yeah. So stimming can be really helpful with anxiety and with transitioning and with big changes and that kind of thing. So stimming can be really important to express emotion and that that often gets repressed because especially growing up in a classroom setting, you're told you're not supposed to be distracting, you're not supposed to move. And so those who, who would stim naturally suppress that and then they get a lot of anxiety and they have meltdowns because they can't physically stop themselves at some point from yeah. stimming. And so it gets worse. And so as people get old, older, you'll see more of things like skin picking and head banging and that kind of stuff if it's repressed too long hair pulling that kind of thing which which can be really harmful so allowing a stem to pass you you can change stems and say okay instead of jumping up and down right now that's too distracting for the class maybe there's stem toys you can get you can fiddle your thumbs you can do different things i have a fidget you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) those things are great yeah Or if you really need to jump up in town, why don't you step outside for five minutes and come back in? Where that often can get repressed, especially if someone doesn't have a, a diagnosis. And so that can get worse. So if you're talking about those kind of things, yeah. of course, that's a great idea to have a room like that mm-hmm. on, on campus for kids to go to mm-hmm. when they need it. It seems like, it, like depending on like the, having the, the sensoriness, if, mm-hmm. you, if you need them for stemming, it, it seems... For certain, depending on, on the situation, mm-hmm. it might be useful. I'm just curious how how implementing that correctly could could really yeah. affect and help the the autistic community. So mm-hmm. I also like yeah. just societally, yeah. I, I think that this should definitely be more accepted. Uh, you know, as far definitely. as you know, you were saying just going out, you know, stepping out mm-hmm. if you if you need to, you know, excusing yourself and and that not being. Like not feeling like you have to suppress those things, yeah. you know. I I think that's there's so many we, social <laughs> norms that we put into society that yeah. we're still trying to kind of the fact work that people through. feel like they have to repress mm-hmm. those, even yeah. without people saying that they yeah. have to. You know, and sometimes I, people I not even knowing that they might like have mm-hmm. something or be on the spectrum and not really know what they need to do for the best self care for themselves. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Was there? Is there? So you're working on a bunch of different you things. You are there, amazing. Is there anything else that you're working on right now that you can plug? <laughs> um, oh, I have my photography in an art show this weekend. <laughs> All right. Where, where is that? Where can we find that? It's at Michael's Learning Place. Actually, have the flyer right oh. here. Oh, perfect! I think well, this episode comes out uh, sadly after this happens. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. it does. Oh. Well, <laughs> well, we will we'll definitely have future. people follow you so that they can yes. see your next shows yeah. and learn more about your photography. You've got a photo- you've got photography, you've got a blog, you've got a Facebook Live. Wow. And mm. the company and that you're working with artism. Mm. Yeah. How how do you balance that? <laughs> <laughs> Time management. <laughs> yeah. 
luckily my mom runs like the business side of everything so i'm able to do all these passion passion projects i created my job so it's really nice i can do my job from home and i can take time off to do all these passion projects which is really cool definitely like working being aware of my body and understanding you know where where i'm at if i need to take a break or or not and being like okay this week i need to slow down because next week's gonna be crazy and uh, understanding that so that i'm able to push through and not have a meltdown in the middle of a huge (laughs) workshop in front of 50 people (laughs) yeah (laughs) well thank you so much i really really appreciate you sitting down and and educating us and this is this has been a wonderful discussion thank you so much thank you for having me yeah (laughs) this is great so it's uh ourtism.com where you can find that stuff and you can find it on dot com and also on facebook Mm-hmm. Okay. Does it have uh, any other social media plugs or? It's on Instagram as well. Uh, our t- at Autism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I wanted to to plug our our podcast yeah. place. <laughs> <laughs> it's what is it at? at CPU podcast. At CPU podcast. Comedy pop up. And then yeah. uh, this is the Paul Antonio, right? At Wonderful. the Paul Antonio, helping us out here. You can find me at EPSEC, uh, E-P-S-E-C-H. You can find that on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of the, that good stuff. You can find me at Camouflage, C-A-M-A-R-A-F-L-A-G-E. And yeah, and, and follow Mentality at Mentality Talk, Mental I-T-A Talk uh, on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter. But yeah, I, I think it's so great, everything that you're doing. And like the, my one last little thing I wanted to ask is what is... What, what what do you hope for the future for artism? What do you hope people will see with it and what you can do with it in the future? Well, I hope it becomes more common that those on the spectrum, their, their voice and their opinions are more heard about this is what we want for ourselves. Because I feel like it because there's way more neurotypical voices that it, it, it becomes, well, why don't you just present yourself more as neurotypical? And so that hopefully more services accommodate those on the spectrum and what they want, like, Hopefully, artism does, and yeah. I hope one day that we we can really expand and make a community, actual physical community place where those on the spectrum can feel at home and can be themselves and do all the stimming and <laughs> that they great. want. It sounds like you're taking some amazing <laughs> steps towards that. So steps. thank you, <laughs> and I look forward to seeing it grow. Yeah, we look forward to watching everything you do. So yeah, thank you so much for coming in, Chloe. I wanted to shout out to our T people again. Mm-hmm. You can get it at tspectral.com slash mental and you can get 10% off today. We are drinking nocturnal notes. I think every yeah, everyone in this room had some. Except for Benji. Sorry, Benji. Oh, he's so no cute. <laughs> and thank you so much again. Thank you for listening. Did we and- plug her social your social media? Will you plug the artism social media? Oh yes. Oh, oh sorry. I- <laughs> I'm Where can they find uh, you? Chloe Estelle on Facebook and I'm Chloe Estelle in yellow on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, because we definitely want to watch your live streams on yes. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, on Facebook it's through artism. They're called they're called Starlight Talk, but I try to post them as well on my personal so. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, thank you so much. Email us if you have any questions and want to continue discussion and it's been a, a fantastic episode. Chloe. Now can I pet Benji? Yeah. <laughs>